Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you're with us today, and I just pray you just unravel your word before us, Lord. Unravel this word before us. You just bring your word, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm just going to share for a little while. Uh, I'm going to springboard off of uh, last week. For anybody listening on the podcast, uh, we just uh, lost my voice in prayer. So <laughs> before the service, you don't know the context. So, uh, But I just want to go right into First Chronicles chapter 29. I looked at this last week. David, this is called David's last prayer. Everybody say David's last prayer, which is probably important. Everybody say it's probably important. Not that one verse is more important than the other, but David, a man after God's own heart. If this was his very last prayer, then I would pay attention. I'd pay attention to all his words, and then I would pay special attention to his last words. And his last prayer was this. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10 says, Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, just like we did today. Amen? And he said, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Isn't that amazing? Just right there. Just recognizing who God is. You know that so much of our prayer is just that. So much of prayer is that. I am convinced that God cannot resist humility. Humility is like a magnet with God. Because I read my word and I'm like, God, Ahab does not deserve grace. That's my opinion. Thank God that we're not God, right? Ahab does not deserve grace. And the Lord says, look at my servant Ahab, how he has humbled himself. And I'm reading those words going, what? It doesn't count. You can't all of a sudden say, I'm sorry, Lord, and it, it makes everything better. Now, there was still some natural stuff in his life. He does die in battle, uh, and Jezebel gets dealt with, and the kingdom gets torn away. There are some natural circumstances, but God uh, gave him grace and mercy because of humility. So I'm convinced this is prayer, and any prayer that we point our finger at God is invalid. I think as soon as you get in prayer and you're like, God, you failed me, you abandoned me, where were you? Now, it's not that he doesn't hear you. It's not that he doesn't love you. He loves you, but the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you immediately, and I'm sure you've been there, to turn that hurt into humility. I just bring it, but, but Lord, but Lord, you're still God, and I just must not understand because I believe your word and not my feelings. I think sometimes people are frustrated with their prayer life and frustrated with God because all they're ever doing is pointing their finger at him. I just feel like David here in these verses understood a principle that I believe is just uh, irresistible to God, and that is recognizing who he is. That's humility right there. And everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. I want to say this again. This is what we talked about last week. Let's read this again. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. So how much of it is yours? How much of it is mine? Do I own my home? 
Is my bank account mine? Let's get, let's get really, really uh, to the point. The air I'm breathing right now, is it my air? Are my hours mine? Are my talents mine? You don't own anything. The devil has created a facade that this is your life, right? What's the little acronym that we can't hate? I mean, that we hate. I can't stand and hate at the same time. We can't hate. I can't hate it. YOLO. Everybody know YOLO? You only have one life to live. You only got one life. That's from Satan. Satan has tricked this world that this life is yours. And so the way to get ahead, because it's your life, is to work hard. And for people without a moral compass, then that goes into, you know, crazy stuff. They're working hard becomes, you know, organized crime and whatever. But it's all the same. It really is no different. There's no different than somebody who has gone to college and applies themselves and is, thinks in their mind that they're morally straight and a mobster. Before the Lord, there's no difference. Now, in the earth, we would judge the two people differently, wouldn't we? But Jesus just made it plain. Why do you call me good? There's no one good, no, not one. There's no such thing as a good person, not in Christ, right? But Jesus, he said only God is good. Thank God that we're in him and he is in us. Amen? We're in him and he is in us. And because of that, only goodness, the goodness is because of what he has put in us. Amen. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is, I think we need to read this out loud. This is together. That's what I meant a minute ago. Let's try it again. This is your kingdom. See, sometimes God doesn't react immediately, so we assume that God fell asleep. Sometimes we're like, God, you know, why aren't you dealing with a certain situation? Where are you, God? What we forget is that it's his kingdom and that if the reaction that we're expecting to happen in the earth hasn't happened yet, it doesn't change that this is God's kingdom. It just means that either you don't understand, God's already doing it, it's out of your understanding, or he has showered his grace and mercy, but believe me, justice is coming. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Let's just say that out loud. You are the one who is over all things. This is like elementary Christianity 101, but I think even as Christians, sometimes we need a reminder of who God is and who we are. Because we have so much freedom. God has given us so much freedom. I give my children a lot of freedom. I give them a lot of freedom. Right? I don't micromanage everything they do in their day. But they would be deceived to then think that they can do whatever they want. 
Amen? Do we understand that as children once and parents now? Just because we have freedom doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. God is God. God gives us so much room. And I'm thankful for grace in the, in the middle. Amen. But that is not an excuse. And in fact, it's to empower us. Everybody say, in fact, grace is to empower us. I'm going to look at those verses, hopefully. But I said it anyway. He says this. He says, verse 12, wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. There it is again. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. That means that anything you have, it came from him. You might be like, well, I've applied myself. I've been sweating. I've been working hard. Sure, you did, but you borrowed God's oxygen while you did that. Don't forget. In fact, I've been just praying, and I was seeking the Lord, and I was like, Lord, you're going to have to help me, because I was like, Lord, you need to show me what's the difference between the person who really applies themselves and then the person who relies on your grace, because it could look the same. It could look the same. And the Lord just showed me the person who applies themselves in the Spirit, who connects themselves to the Holy Spirit and to Christ, him and us and, and us and him, like David is even pointing out here in the Old Testament, that person who applies themselves is just unlocking what God had planned all along. Which means, you think, I worked hard to achieve this. No, you just did what I gave you the ability to do. And if you didn't do it, it wouldn't have happened. But thank you for being obedient to unlock what I had waiting there for you. Now, the world does something very similar. What they do is they steal God's strength, and it's, it's theft. This is literally theft. This is how God just showed it to me. And and, and it's, this, is, this is his word, really. We just don't have time to get into it today, but you can study and you can talk to me more about it after, but it's literally stealing from him to take the oxygen, the gifts, the strengths, the abilities, and to use it for yourself. David said, it's all from you. And it's at your discretion that we have it. And then he goes into this. He says in verse 13, Oh, our God, we thank you and praise you. Praise your glorious name. Who am I? I want you to say that out loud. Because sometimes we need to hear it. Who am I? He said, Who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. As we transition from last week into this week, I didn't know I was going to do part two, 
That wasn't my intention. I preached it, and I'm always open to the Lord expounding on it more. But I, I had kind of looked at some different things throughout the week, and I could not get away from this. This verse right here is just so powerful to me. And I really believe the Lord wants us to get this. Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. You know, even Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus said in John, remember what he said to Pilate? You don't have any power over me. Let's just get this clear, okay? He didn't say it with pride. He said it with humility. I'm saying it with pride, being funny, but he said it with humility. Let's get this clear. If I wanted to, I could have 10,000 angels right here, right now, and deliver me. And yet, I'm going to present, even though I have the power and the ability, which is, this is, this is, this is very, very powerful, but God gives you the power and ability to bypass him. You can technically bypass him. I'm not saying you're going to go to etern- you're going to go into heaven by bypassing him. And if that, not that that's the life that I real, that's not the gospel I want to sell. But if that's what someone needs to hear, you know, that's like the base though. That's the base. That without Christ, you're not going to go to heaven. But the real thing is, I want to live my life for him. I want to live in this life with him now. If we really love him, why would we say, well, I'll see him in eternity. Let me live my life now, and then I'll live with him forever. Then you don't really love him. I love Dawn, and if Dawn's like, you know, you can see me in 50 years. Like, okay, great, I'll go do my own thing. That's great, I'll see you in 50 years. If I really love her, I want to see her right now. I mean, it's really, really clear. Isn't the gospel children's church? It really is. We try to make it so complicated. It's just children's church. I think a child can figure that out. If I love her, I want to know her right now. Otherwise, if I'm willing to wait till eternity, do my own thing first, I don't really love her. Let's just boil it down. I love how Jesus just boiled everything down, didn't he? He got right to the heart of it. That's why he irritated people so much. Because people thought they were okay. We're not doing this and we're not doing that. We're okay. Really? Because I'm looking into your heart and I see the heart of the matter is still in there. But the Bible says that Jesus, even though he had the power to deliver himself, remember Satan tempted him with that as well, up on the mountain, the three temptations of Christ. But Jesus said, Not my will, thy will be done. Just because you have the power and the ability to live your life, and the Lord, I'm amazed, and it breaks my heart. And if it breaks my heart, then it certainly breaks his. How a person can just live their life so away from God. But then as Christians, what the devil will do is he will try to trick the church that, okay, you know Christ, so now go back to living your life because that part's settled like we checked off a box. The Lord's not letting me get away from this. Sorry, this has been like our recent theme. <laughs> I think because the Lord's so serious about his church. He loves us so much. And if, I w- if my children kept wandering near the road, you know, eventually I'm going to smack them across the head if that's what I have to do. If they won't listen to me, that it's dangerous by the road. Amen? 
Eventually, I'm going to grab him by the shirt, and I'll throw them down on the ground if a car is going to hit him and kill him. I'll be really rough if it's going to come down to that. So it's the Lord's grace. You know that when the Lord speaks to us and warns us? The Lord's just revealing. I think it's going across the whole world of what the real church is. It's not a social club. It's not a gathering. It's not something we do on Sunday. Just imagine saying, I'll see my spouse once a week. That'll bring a real revelation across the world of what this church really is. See you next Sunday. The thing is, though, I might not make it because next week I have soccer. But after that, I'll see you then. But I may leave early. And, um, but I'll be thinking about lunch the whole time, too. And uh, if I can get all that figured out, I'll see you next week. Or, or the week after, like I said. It's so silent in here. It really boils down what our relationship with Christ is, isn't it? We have to recognize something. Because we live like Christ, right? Christ in us, not I who lives, but Christ in me. And David said, who am I? Who are my people that we could give you anything? Everything we have has come from you. Jesus, even Jesus, the Son of God, recognized that he was here for a purpose, and he submitted himself, even though he had the power to deliver himself. And then they said it again. You know, I didn't even recognize. Satan does it. Pilate says it. And then when he's on the cross, they're like, save yourself. You know, he had the power to do it. And he doesn't because he submitted to the Father. He recognized. And the Bible tells us clearly, and there's multiple, multiple verses that tells us that Jesus, he put his authority on hold. That's what the word says. It doesn't say he like, was now not the son of God. He became, he lowered himself, he humbled himself for the purpose of us. Amen. It says in verse 15, and I love this verse, because right, this is like the book of James too, being just a vapor. We are here only for a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace. Don't you love that? Just hearing that, recognizing who God is, and we need to know him right this minute. I said last week, 911, I'm going to say it again, 911, guys, this is 911. The church is going to continue no matter what happens in the world. I don't know what's going to happen, and you, haven't, you can't come up to me and get a prediction because I'm not going to give you one. I'm not even giving predictions in private because I have no idea what's going on in the world. I just know it's 911. We need to seek the Lord right now. But I don't care what happens. It doesn't really matter. We can, we can step into the book of Revelation and have an asteroid come in and wipe out a third of the earth. We can get into World War III, right? We can have this nation ripped from our hands. We could have diseases like you've never seen before. The gates of hell can literally be open and Satan and his fallen angels come out and destroy the earth. All of that can happen because that's what Revelation says will happen. And you know what's not going to change? God on his throne and my relationship with him. You know what Jesus said? Don't fear those that can don't fear those that can kill the body. Fear the one that, depending on your translation, judges the soul or the spirit. The man inside you, your spirit, right? We're with Christ. That can't be changed forever and ever and ever because we're sealed by his blood. Amen. We need to grab a hold of that right now. I'm telling you right now, I've been warning, and I believe everybody in this church believes it, but I just have to say it anyway, 
because I have to I have to be faithful to the Lord. And also someone may be listening on the podcast that just doesn't believe it, but listen, the casual Christian will not make it in this next season. I promise you. The every sun every sun even the every Sunday Christian will not make it. It's going to have to be the everyday Christian. The every moment Christian. It's the ones who can't live without him, have realized they cannot breathe without him. There's going to be, the Bible says that there is a great falling away. There's going to be something so great. And again, don't ask me to try to tell you what that is, but something so great that it says even the elect will be deceived. We call that the great falling away or the great apostasy, that the elect are the believers, not the world to be deceived, that believers will amass deception that just takes believers away from the Lord. That's coming. The book of Acts chapter 17 says, verse 24, he is the God who made the world and everything in it, and since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. God made the world, right? Acts 17 is a, a refresh of the whole Bible, but a refresh of Genesis. He's the God who made everything. He gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man he created, verse 26, all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. Right now, we need to get into the will of God. I think a lot of prayer, too, is getting into his will. People are afraid to pray God's will because they don't know what that means. But we need to get into the will of God. We need to just start pleading with God uh, for his will to be done. That will be done. We can pray our own hearts, pray our own prayers. But to be honest, I think you should spend much more time asking the Lord his will so that you'll pray the right prayers. I want to know your will so that when I'm praying, I'm praying your will. I mean, most of that can be satisfied just by reading your word and knowing his word. Sometimes we just don't know the promises of his word. But sometimes the Lord is up to something, and I believe this is a very specific time. I don't think this is a generic time. I don't know that any day is generic, but I feel like seasons of my life have been more generic in the sense that you just get up and you kind of go on, you trust his word, you're a good man, a good woman, you take care of your family, you go to work, and you love the Lord. I mean generic like that. Like nothing crazy is really, really going on, even though it always is in the supernatural, we just don't see it. But right now, this is not a generic moment. I believe this is a very specific time in history. I don't know what that fully means. I don't know what it's going to become. But I do know this is not a casual time. We must be seeking the Lord, not like your normal seeking. This is a seek the Lord because it's 911. Uh, we just said this week on Tuesday, we were just discussing just for a couple minutes. If the crisis is happening, you pray and you fast and you seek God differently than beforehand. You can't help it, can you, right? We pray, we love God. We're like, okay, Lord, thank you, but I got things to do today. But then when the crisis is happening, our prayers change, don't they? Become much more severe. We need to act right now because it's happening in the spirit. And even just a little bit that we experienced, just the little bit of that pushback coming into this church this morning in the spirit, that's happening in the world. That's just what's happening right now. The devil, I don't know 
what gates were open. The Bible does say that they won't prevail against the church, but ultimately the gates of hell are going to be open. That's just part of the last days, part of Revelation. I don't know what gates have been open. I don't know who opened what, but there is just the chaos, right? The frustration, the division, and just the irritation in every part of our lives right now. We don't have to live in that, but it's around us. We don't have to live under it, but we're aware of it, and we need to just keep seeking and keep praying. We need to be very, very, very alert right now. Amen. He said, you determined, and this is the thing. This is why I said we need to know God's will. God knows what he's doing, and he's still up to something just because we don't understand what he's doing right now. And I know I say that like a broken record, but God is still doing something right now. He is using this time because I believe his word. I don't believe my feelings. I don't believe the news. I can watch the news. They can tell me some truths. But ultimately, I'm going to look at his word. And if they don't line up with his word, then I'm sorry. His word says that God works all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So that means that no matter what it looks like in the natural, he's working something out for his, for his church. Because I believe his word. Amen. Verse 27 says, His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and to find him, though he is not far from any of us. And then he sums it up with this verse here, for in him we live and move and exist. Everything we are is in him. We need to understand right now, we need to, the devil has obviously taken it from the world, but he has taken the church and uh, given the church his schedule. And the church said yes. He gave the schedule and the church submitted to it because that's the world we're in, right? The church, when right, we lined up with the world because we're like, well, how, what do we do? We got to work with the world we live in. How do we reach these people? How do we reach in this community? So we took our schedule and we made it work with the worlds. Isn't that true? We need to get rid of the devil's schedule right now. The real church, the church of Christ, the original church, they realized that their lives were not their own. I'm not telling you to bring all your stuff here next week and we're all going to you know, form a com you know, commune here. But, you know, we look at the book of Acts, and they got rid of everything. They had nothing of their own. They recognized these principles that they were not their own. You didn't own your own stuff. You're, it's not your life. You died. The Bible literally says that you died. Amen. It's not I living. It's Christ living. I don't, it's not me. I don't own my stuff. This is not mine. We go through the word. Romans 8, 32, it says, since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And the, what my, the, the point of me reading this verse here is that if Jesus gave himself fully to us, then we should give him us fully. He gave himself fully and did not deny us. He said he'll give us everything else. So we are living like Christ. We must do what Christ did for us and give him back everything of us. Romans 11.36, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and, as, and is intended for his glory. You know what's interesting? Sometimes we, we get so 
obsessed with the context of a chapter and, uh, and, and we look at, you know, we don't want to take a verse out of context. And what happens is sometimes, though, the same people won't turn the chapter, you know, from chapter 11 to chapter 12. We have to realize that he wrote the book of Romans like a letter. And so the people that would preach Romans from 11, from verse 1 to 36, but forget, wait a second, chapter 12 is attached to it at verse 1. Romans 11:36 says, For everything comes from him, exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. Amen? And verse, chapter 12, verse 1 says, And so, everybody say, and so. What does that mean? That means he's summing up and joining to what he just said. He said in verse 36 of chapter 11, Everything comes from him, everything exists by his power, and it's all intended for his glory. So, I plead with you. Just like I'm pleading with you this morning. If you can recognize this, that it's all about God, there's not, there is no, there, we say this, we know this as believers, I know this is like elementary, but, and yet we still need to hear it. I need to hear things over and 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 over, over again until I finally get it. And then I still forget and I need to be told again. Dawn will attest to that. He says, because it's all for God, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be living, be a living and holy sacrifice. You know what a sacrifice is? You know what happens when you sacrifice something? What happens if we took an animal and we sacrificed it? Where's the animal? No more. I think that's pretty easy to figure out, right? If you sacrifice, it's not like, Lord, I'm going to sacrifice Okay, but then just give it back. To, I, I got things. It's like 8.30, Lord. Okay, sacrifice. Today's the day. Yes, that the Lord has made. Thank you, Lord. Give me my life back because I got to get going. But that's what we do. That's what we do. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You may know it as holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service and actually you know what the greek word is for here for acceptable and reasonable it's the greek word logikos it's where we get the word logical from it actually the full meaning of this is anything but this doesn't make sense if i was to put this in 2020 language if you did anything but this it doesn't make sense you know what logical is? Anybody in here need to be a lesson what logical is? I think we get it. It's not logical to come to Christ and to hold back. It's not logical to say we know Christ and yet part of our life is our own. It just doesn't make sense. It's not, it doesn't make sense. It's not just reasonable in the sense of like, hey, you know, this is reasonable. This is, it's, I'm not asking too much of you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Unless you sacrifice everything, it's not really worship. A sacrifice is a sacrifice. Right now, we must get into this place with God, completely and totally submitted to him. I know this is, again, that's Christianity 101, and yet we need to do it. We just need to keep doing it, and it's not that we haven't necessarily done it so far, but we just need to get before him and get before him and get before him and just keep seeking him and keep seeking him and keep seeking him. Uh, I think 
we're going to be sad to see, and we're already seeing it, but a lot of people are just going to be lost to the wayside very quickly. Look at one little virus. I'm not discounting the people that died, okay? But on the scale of the world, 8 billion people in the world, that people just like, I'm not going to go back to church anymore, just walked away from God. They got comfortable at being home. You don't have your Sunday back, and you should have never had it back. When I closed the doors to the building, we didn't close the doors to God. What do you mean, have your Sunday back? Did you think it was a sacrifice coming here? I'm sorry if you're listening. I love you. But that's the truth. That's why the Lord is really using this time. If you want to have my opinion... I don't bring my opinion much, and if I do, I tell you it's my opinion. I believe that's the only reason it's being extended. Out of his grace and mercy. Until we get this. Because what's going to happen is much, much more severe things will come. This earth will be rattled in ways you can't even imagine. That's what the word says. And what do you think is going to happen then? It's like anybody who's in military gets trained. What they try, the attempt to do is to actually train you much harder than the war will actually be. The idea is that the battle's worse. I mean, the, uh, the training's worse than the actual battle. So then the battle, it becomes just memory, muscle memory, it just becomes normal for you. This is what we do. So the training is much, much more brutal. The Lord is training his church right now. If you don't get in line with this, suddenly you're going to try to be trained and be lined up with God when it's all happening, when it's really happening. It's too late. Ain't no coming back at that point. But I just felt this, you know, before the, even before the service, actually, I just felt weak. I started to get like a headache here, and I know, I know our, we live in human bodies, but I just felt like, I just went to the Lord. I said, Lord, I feel tired. I feel weak. And I just found myself going in the back, and I was praying. I said, Lord, I said, your grace is sufficient for me. I just found myself praying that, and I believe that's what, I just want to close with that, uh, that it's really the grace of God. Amen. It's by his grace. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just quickly, verse 10, it says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, says in the New King James, By the grace of God, it's by his grace, it says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And it's his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly then that's what, we just don't have time to get into it. I'll preach that another time. But the grace of God is the reason he is what he is. And the grace empowered him. He labored. But even his laboring, he didn't just, he said it was not in vain. I labored more abundantly. So I know who I am because of his grace. His grace causes me to labor, but I still can't even take credit for that. He said, because the grace of God, it's not I, but it was the grace of God which was in me. I had to labor with it. I had to realize that I'm, I'm weak. And that's what he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's like, I could, go on, I could boast, um, and I'm not going to boast. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he had all these experiences. He says in verse 5, I, I don't even know if I was in heaven or what, which heaven I was in, if I was in the body, if I was in, in the flesh, in the third heaven, and I had revelations from God. But he said, to keep me from becoming proud, verse 7, I was given a thorn in my flesh, 
a, message, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Verse 8, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And verse 9 says, and each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure, right? Just like us, that's what we do too, right? This church, I know. We all take pleasure in our weaknesses. We all take pleasure in insults and hardships, just like Paul, I know. You guys, I can hear it, I know. It's just like everyone here. We all take pleasure, just like he did, in our persecutions and troubles. And that I suffer for Christ, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. This is the place that God's getting us to right now. I hope we get it, that it's only by his grace that we have anything. It's his oxygen that's supplying our lungs. And he is telling us, he's even warning us, hey, uh, some things are about to change. And uh, I'm not going to get into what those things are here, right? But things are about to change. And, uh, and I'm warning you, there's dreams, there's visions. Everybody's feeling it. And I've given you the strength. But listen. You're going to have to rely on my grace. And if you think you've seen stuff now, you haven't seen anything yet. But if you will live in my grace, if you'll learn to know me and to know your weakness in me, you're going to have a strength that the world just can't touch. The devil's going to try to grasp at it, and he just can't seem to get you because there's a strength that keeps growing and growing and growing because it's not you. But, I, but it's key that we must labor with it. Right? We must recognize it and come to him. Recognize it and come to him. Recognize it and come to him. And that's that laboring in it and growing in it. But it's all him in the end, isn't it? Amen. I could keep going as you know. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that you have given us your word. And I thank you, Lord, for this specific word today. I thank you, Lord, plant it in our hearts, Lord, like good seed in good ground, Lord. I pray that it would grow and sprout and be life to us and those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.